0: together we read psalm 100 responsively <laughs> Psalm 100 make a joyful noise unto the lord all the earth know that the lord he is god it is he who made us and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture For the Lord is good. Forever. Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, In the word of your apostles and prophets, you have proclaimed to us your saving will. Grant us faith to believe your promises that we may receive eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first scripture reading today is from the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because they're taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am. I sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Romans chapter 5. Where the apostle Paul says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though I invite you to stand, if you're able, for the Holy Gospel. Our Gospel was taken from Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And to him, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago we started this series the ten commandments and as i mentioned at the beginning of the service all too often i think we just think of them as dictates or rules maybe uh, god's idea of taking away our fun but i think we can lose track of when we do that i think we lose track of who it is that gives us these commands he's not just some movie villain you know who's out to just wreak havoc and make trouble this is our god our God who loved us enough to send his own son to die for us, if we disconnect the commandments from who it is who gives them, from the God who loves us, then we miss the point, and we can end up misunderstanding the commandments altogether. So as I said in this series, we want to not only understand the commandments, but why they're so important, why God gives us, and how he loves us through them. And so we're talking about today the second commandment, not misusing the name of God. So let's Read this command. I have it on the screen. If you're able to, uh, oops, did I turn that? Hmm. I turned it off rather than on. I've got it. (laughs) The second commandment on the screen: You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. God takes this commandment very seriously. He makes a big deal out of His name. As people, we make a big deal out of names in general. I know when I'm getting ready to do a, a wedding for a couple after I've gone through the counseling at the very end, I say to them, okay, when it comes time to the very end of the ceremony, I'm going to introduce you. How do you want to be introduced? Because it, it's not really automatic that she's going to uh, take his name. They aren't necessarily going to want to be introduced as Mr. and Mrs. or Mr. and Mrs. James. Or I have to ask them because this is important. How do you want to be introduced? um and in some cultures are you know names we're used to have you know giving our name as first and last but in some cultures they introduce themselves last name before they say their first name some cultures it's tradition to take the father's name as the, the a son's middle name other cultures that father's given name becomes the surname of the family going forward and it can get very confusing from there and on and on names are important Um, That's why people line up to get autographs from that special, famous person. And that's why when we buy things, if we can afford it, we like to have the name brand. The second commandment tells us that God's name is important. And it's more than just a rule for our life. In this commandment, through his name, God is teaching us and telling us about his nature and his character as well as his love for us. I'm going to unpack that in just a minute. But before we do, I want to give us a little bit of context. The commandment comes to us in Exodus chapter 20. But before receiving those commandments on Mount Sinai, Moses had this encounter that you heard in the Old Testament reading in Exodus chapter 3, so a little bit earlier. If you remember, what's happening is Moses has gotten himself in trouble in Egypt, and he's had to flee to Midian, and he's now working for his father-in-law Jethro. And what we read is that, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses was minding his business. when, off in the distance, he sees a bush that's burning, but not being consumed, not burning up. And this, of course, gets his attention. And what's maybe interesting to note, and why I underlined that word Horeb, the name of the, the mountain, is the, the meaning behind that word is something like waste or desolation or desert or dry, kind of like we would think of Death Valley. So for a bush to be burning in an area like that would have been very visible and would definitely have caught Moses' attention. Um, but my question for you is, what maybe in your life is an area that would be considered barren or a wasteland or empty or maybe just alone and, and solitude? If you don't think that God can work in that situation in your life, think again. Because we can, we can see here from how God called Moses out of that very dry, barren area because he had a purpose for him. Same thing happens for you and me. We can learn a couple of other things from Moses as well. At this time here where he's tending these flocks, he's a long way from where God had put him in Egypt. Remember, God very carefully placed Moses into the house of Pharaoh. Remember the whole thing with drawing the basket out of the River Nile and being preserved? That's where God, obviously, he was going to do work through him. I think we can learn from that too. Moses found a a reason for whatever reason. He's now suddenly not where God wanted him. But as we know, God is going to get him back there. It's always working. It doesn't matter how far we've we've gone. It doesn't matter whether we've kind of ejected from his path. He's always going to be drawing us back. Even though Moses may have felt alone and now abandoned and disconnected from God, God is still there, even in that desolate place, disconnected from God's plan. The second thing that we notice is that Moses was tending the sheep. He was doing his job. He was doing what he was regularly doing in order now to receive this word from God and therefore to receive this direction from God, he had to stop what he was doing and go and hear from God. And I think the the fact that it's in this quiet place that this is happening in this very barren desert area says something, too, because I think very often we get so busy doing our things, and for Moses' case, it was his job of tending sheep, but for us, it's whatever keeps us occupied. Sometimes God can, I think he can only, we can only hear him in those quiet, desolate places. But either way, we're going to have to do like Moses did. and We're going to have to stop what we're doing and go and learn and listen and hear what God and be, be willing to do then what follows. Well, what does follow? God says to him when he'd gone over to look. Uh, God called to him, Moses, from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So in this, in this middle of nowhere, God introduces himself to Moses. This is how it's going to connect to the name of God. Okay, This is where we're kind of getting to the point we want to talk about today. He's kind of saying, you know, hello, nice to meet you, Moses. I threw that part in. But he says, "I am God, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac and Jacob, the people that Moses knows and trusts. Um, so I think that the way that we identify ourselves sets the tone for the relationship. you know, you can meet a person and find out that their name is Robert, and you want to know if they want to be called Rob or Bob, or you know can I, can I call you Jim?" And they say, "No, that's Dr. James to you, you know, and you kind of get a sense for just how you know, how close is this relationship? Kind of like the time on, on the screen here, I have a picture of the time that I met the uh, governor of New York. If you're old enough to know, he's a governor, five governors ago of New York. We, we lived in New York, and I was part of a legislative internship program in high school. And uh, so I got to meet Governor Mario Cuomo in Albany, and uh, I think I was introduced as next. So that's kind of, that's how, how intimate of, a, of an introduction that was. So we have, we have these levels of intimacy in our, in, in, in our names. Now you could start at the top and say, okay, your formal name, your given name. You know, this is how your mom refers to you where, when you're in trouble. Augie, John, Ida Chico, get over here. You know, that's, that's your given name. It's what's on your driver's license. It's what's on your birth certificate, your passport, whatever. It's your official name. It's the one they use in roll call at school, and uh, just a little story there, since my name is a little bit difficult, I've got three I's and three C's in my last name, all in one name. And uh, so a lot of people just, that's why I go by Pastor Augie, by the way. I just, just skipped the last name. It's really not hard to say if you know it. But what, what, what uh, I- inadvertently happened during roll call is the teachers would try to say other people's names, no matter how difficult they were. They would at least make some attempt. But they'd get to my name and they would just stop. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with all these I's and C's. And so I told my kids, we have four kids, they're all adults now, and I told them, when they get to your name and you hear the silence, when they get to, you know, uh, the roll call and you just hear the silence, just say here, because that's probably you. And they said, they do that. They really do that. That's your given name, and it's used in a formal capacity. But sometimes uh, your official name can find its way onto unofficial lists, and I apologize, this didn't come through um, like I had wanted to. I... I in the image, I highlighted my name and how poorly it was spelled, and for some reason in the import, it just covered it over. But I'll tell you what it said. This was, this was back in the day where you would get these trade magazines. Um, like now we have the internet to advertise, but it didn't matter if you were in the medical profession or if you were an engineer. In my case, I was a software guy, you know, programming computers. get these big magazines, and then that's how they would sell you products. Well, who knows where they got these names from? They just wanted to advertise. Well, my name was spelled Ms, M-S. So first they got the gender wrong. Angie, not Augie. And my last name was on two lines, Dudici Coco. Like hot chocolate, C-O-C-O-A. Like so, I don't know, somebody heard me say Ida Chico and they decided to spell it Dudici space Coco. And, and then the funny part was, then that, I ended up getting mailings from other things with that spelling. I knew where they got it from. anyway. <laughs> It just goes to, it goes to say, if you have a difficult given name, um, how it's spelled is not always a given. Okay, <laughs> another rim shot two weeks in a row. All right. Then you can have a nick. So your given name is your formal name. You can have a more familiar name, a uh, nickname. Uh, my wife, Rochelle, uh, she, back in high school, we, we met in high school, so that's a long time ago in a land far, far away. She had the nickname Wheaties. Um, that's not her, that's Mary Lou Retton, the Olympic gymnast, uh, not my wife, but how she got that nickname was she played basketball, and her friends are always like, you have so much energy, what do you eat for breakfast? And she said, I don't know, I eat a lot of Wheaties, and a nickname was born, so they call her Wheaties. But you've got to be close to a person to call them by a nickname. And if you are close enough, you can get away with even calling them something that maybe could be offensive, maybe it takes, you know... Uh, it highlights a physical feature that they might otherwise be embarrassed of. Like you can take a really big guy on your team and call him tiny. And because you know him, you can get away with it. Or you can take that really tall guy and call him stilts. And he's okay with it if you're his friend. That's the nickname. But there's even a closer level of intimacy, and that's a relational name. And I think on Father's Day, this is kind of perfect for that because what we're celebrating... When you say when you get introduce somebody as this is my father, or this is my son, or this is my brother, my wife, my sister, whatever, you say you're giving a relationship. You're automatically bringing it into a closer level to you. Uh, I think when a when a parent holds uh, their their first child, they realize that now they have a new name. They're not just whatever their name was before. Now they're mom or dad. So not only is a child born, but a relationship is born. And so back to Moses, back to the second commandment, when God reveals himself to Moses, he does so in the most intimate of terms, in relationship to others. He said, I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So that's just, you know, just a little bit of context here. He's really, he's going very relational, making a connection with Moses that Moses would understand jumping ahead now that moses and god are introduced moses needs to ask the question well if i'm going to go to the people of israel how am i going to introduce them to you who am i going to say sent me what's his name and what should i tell them and god says to moses i am who i am this is what you are to say to the israelites i am has sent me to you so god tells moses his name but his name is not a Normal name. It's kind of a weird name, and I don't mean any disrespect with that, but I do not know anybody named I am. Do you know anybody named I am? It's a very, it's a unique name. But as I alluded to in the beginning, in terms of God's name, it's going to actually tell us about His character and about His nature. He's not doing it just to be cute, like some of these celebrities do. I went out and looked this up on the internet. Uh, actress uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. She named her uh, oldest daughter Apple, and then that's her name, Apple, and. Uh, Frank Zappa, the musician, named one of his children Moon Unit, and uh, my l- l- one of my favorites of late is Elon Musk and, and Grimes named their child X Ash. That's a Latin combination of A and E, pronounced Ash. X Ash A twelve, and uh, and you know if you if you're interested, send me an email. I can send you a link to to elon talking about the pronunciation and how that name came about and i guess in, in some places like i think california is one of those you can't have numbers in your name so he has to be a dash xii <laughs> so he's got all these x's and x a 12 but again god's name while it is different from what we're used to isn't isn't just unique and it's certainly not to be cute it's profound it is unlike any other name because god's name it god is like any other being and his name tells us something of who he is i'm gonna break it down here's what god's name tells us when he says i am who i am all right i i i think how to understand this is you know take it or leave it if you're old enough to know popeye right i am what i am uh my brother used to have a um a saying i Well, he still does, actually. We all joke about it, and I I thought it was the most foolish thing, but now I kind of find myself saying it. And he he would just always say, it is what it is. And it's kind of like you you can't change it. It is what it is. So I think what God is telling us here, the theological term for this would be, God is unchangeable or immutable. You know, a, A mutation would be a change in a virus or something like that. God doesn't have any mutation. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He is who he is. And you might say, well, I don't know, it's, and I, I'm not saying you, you think this, but some people might think, well, I want a God who, who changes with the times. But think about how bad that would be. You know, oh, you know those old promises that I made a long time ago? You know, That was March's offer. We're in June now. I got a different deal. It would, be, it would be miserable if we had a God who changed. And even in terms of our own walk with God, one of the beautiful things about the fact that God is unchanging is even though we may change, we may fail. We may wander and drift. God never does. His love for us never does, and he's always calling us back. So I see that as something beautiful. Someone once said, if you are far from God, it's not God who moved. Okay? He's unchangeable. So You can either, you know, find, I, tr- I choose to find comfort in the fact that God doesn't change. We got so much in our life that changes, but not God. The next part we learn from God is he says, I am who I am. Uh, in English, this part of speech is a verb. The verbs have conjugations, so it comes from the verb to be. But do you know, this is a little bit of an English test, do you know what tense am is? What tense of the verb is that? It's the present tense. It's not was, it's not will be, it's I am. And wh- how I look at that is no matter what time you utter God's name, he's present. It doesn't matter whether it's the people of old saying it, us today or the people in the future. He is the God who was, who is, and who is to come. He's always there. But the theological way we can understand this is he's eternal. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. And so was his son Jesus, by the way. We'll jump ahead into the New Testament here where Jesus is talking to the Jews, got himself into a little bit of trouble here. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen abraham he says i tell you the truth jesus answered before abraham was born i am i am and 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 they hear that they right away hear this we were talking about it just before the service they know when jesus says this this is the name of god and they they immediately says that this they picked up stones to stone him you know the plates are thrown excuse me the clothes are torn And it is on. They are not happy with him. Anybody ever says Jesus never claimed to be God, take him to this verse. This is the name of God. This is how God said to tell the people of Israel who he was. And so this is is blasphemy for them, and they're going to stone him. Uh, But friends, the name of God not only means that he's unchangeable or immutable, and that he's eternal, but his name also gives us a little bit of an understanding of why he is jesus said this while i was with them i protect he's talking to god the father in his prayer in the garden of gethsemane and he said while i was with them i protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me isn't that interesting which by the way when you're i always like this when i learn something new as i'm going through the bible and I'm, I'm reading now i've got a new set of lenses on take notice of how many times the name of god is mentioned and in how many different con- uh, contexts in the bible it's all over the place Jesus is saying, "How did He protect us and keep us safe by that name?" It's just, it's, we, we can read by it. It's an interesting choice of words. But Jesus is saying, it is that name. It's kind of like God said to Moses, "All right, I'm gonna, My name is I Am." And then Jesus comes and He says, "I represent that name. I'm, I'm, um, uh, you know, bringing that name to you in in the flesh." And then if we jump ahead, even you know beyond jesus when the apostles are writing in the book of john he says i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god so that you may know that you have eternal life and so john is saying you know god says this is my name jesus says i am bringing you that name and operating in that name and then the apostle says this name is how you have life Um, if you want to know how god loves us through this commandment it's right here we have life in his name one of my favorite verses and it's not on the screen comes from the very uh, near the very end of the book of the, uh, uh, the gospel of john where he says these things are written so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing in him you may have life in his name there it is again and then jesus tells us to baptize when we baptize baptize in the name of the father son and holy spirit and so his name is placed on us and so here's how I think this commandment, we can, always, we can think that the commandments are just this distant thing that God did a long time ago, maybe even like it was all for the Jews because we have Jesus now, so the commandments don't apply to us. That is not true at all. It's the same commandments. It's still for us today. I think that by keeping God's name holy, since God now dwells in us through the Holy Spirit given to us in our baptism, we're keeping ourselves holy. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be holy people, set apart, living differently. We live in a world um, where now his, he, we're bringing his spirit into the world through us. All right, so just to kind of a recap. God's second commandment, he wants us to understand there's power in his name, there's salvation in his name, there's identity in his name, he's the, and in his name we see that he's the eternal, unchanging God who loves us and gave his son for us. Because we have his name on us, we are blessed to be called the children of God, and therefore we have eternal life with him. And so, yeah, we honor his name. Now what I'd like to do for this last part is just send you home with a few things that you can do to honor his name. It's interesting. The commandment is in a negative term. So we're we are not to misuse or we're not to not honor his name. So what I'd like to talk about is how then do we honor his name? If you want to think of this commandment in the positive sense. Uh, well, the first is we speak it uh, r- right after Moses recounts. We get the Ten Commandments in, ex- in Exodus chapter 20, but he recounts them again to the to the people just before the promised land with, in Deuteronomy by saying these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We're supposed to be having spiritual conversations all the time there's a little plug for lutheran our ministries which is where i'm working now i'm out, I'm, I'm a pastor with lutheran our ministries if you've ever heard of lutheran ministries we got some great resources and one is called the spiritual conversations curve or actually spiritual conversations in a digital age but the idea is to help people understand how do you talk about god in your daily life and i think it's as simple as saying how is god working in your life if somebody was to ask you, not to put you on the spot, but maybe you can be thinking about it, how is God working in your life? Would you be able to tell them? That's the first start right there. The other thing that you can do to speak about it is, what have you found or discovered recently in his word that's, that's speaking to you through that that you could share? And church is great for this because maybe you're, you're constantly being filled up, but I hope it's not just at church. I hope you're doing your own study at home as well. What can you share with them that tells them that God is living and acting in his word and they need to meet him there too. Just one more little plug for Lutheran our ministry. He's always trying to kind of uh, push back the envelope and how we help people reach out. We're just coming out. It should be, be being unveiled a little bit this summer, later this summer. It's called Thread, which stands for the red letters. But it's all about training people, young people, in their 20s and 30s, since they're living in this social media sphere, how do they share Jesus in that context how do they wherever they are they're already out online how do they share jesus in that context people say well i don't know if you can do that that's too controversial well let me tell you this right now the name of god is controversial it's always going to be controversial jesus told the disciples you will be hated because of my name but what i what i say and what we really want to try to teach people and what you and i should be thinking about is how can we speak about his name without condemning But just holding up the truth. This is how Jesus and the disciples. Jesus never tried to convince anybody of anything. He just spoke the truth. And those who rejected him were rejecting the truth. But those who received him received life. This is what you and I are doing. We're speaking it. We're praying it. When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, what does he do? He starts with the name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You could think of this as the first and second commandment right there. you got the Father in heaven, our relationship with our one God, holiness. His name is holy. Sets the stage. But this is how we pray. It's, his name is the source and foundation of our prayer. It is not, even though we pray at the end in Jesus' name, which is a good thing to do, by the way, but it is not something you just tack on to the end of any prayers, you know. Dear God, let the nuggets win the championship. No pastor shall be named in this prayer. Um, But you know, just because you pray in Jesus' name at the end doesn't make it a holy prayer. What makes it a holy prayer that's in the name of God is if the people are in his name, people who belong to him, who have that name on them in their baptism and who are humble and repentant, turning from their wicked ways and turning to heaven. So it's it's a prayer that's born out of our relationship with God's name, steeped in humility and repentance, so that the goal of our prayer is not our glory, but God's glory. So much in alignment with his will and his name that he's pleased to to answer it. That's what it means to pray his name. And then finally, we just, we live it. How do we honor his name? We speak it, we pray it, we live it. We are citizens, not only, we live in an earthly kingdom, we have our feet in two kingdoms, Luther says. One, the kingdom of the world. You know, maybe even citizens of the United States, that's fine. But we're also we have a citizenship of heaven when Jesus is uh, citizenship in heaven. When Jesus is praying that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's talking to the father, he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Part of our citizenship in heaven means. We not only bear the name in my case of Augie or Pastor Augie or father, or mother, or sister. We bear the name Christian. And that is our true citizenship. And we live out that identity, hopefully, differently, because of being in Christ. So, that's how we honor God's name. We speak it. We pray it. We live it. We live it in a way that lets God be known. It shows that we put our ultimate trust in him. And we're living not as representatives of the world, what the world values, what the world praises, but as representatives of God, what gives him the glory and that name that we bear, that name in which we find life and hope. Because as we read, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So God gives us this command to show us how we're truly loved. And how we're loved is in his name. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that you identified yourself to Moses as an unchangeable, eternal God who loves his people. Thank you that you sent your son to carry out the loving work of your name and that through him you placed your name on us. Lord, we ask that we would be fitting ambassadors of your name, properly representing you to the world by the way we speak and the way we act. And Father, that we would not look to the world to solve our problems, but to find our strength in your name as we call upon you in prayer. And Lord, may the things that we pray be in accordance with your will such that you are pleased to grant them and they bring you glory. And so we pray all these things, Lord, in your name. May it be kept holy among us. We pray, amen.